welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind our listeners that we do have two event series that they can go and attend and learn more about the topics covered in this podcast. The first one is called the Strata Data Conference, which you can find at strataconf.com. The second one is the Artificial Intelligence Conference, which you can find at the AIConf.com. In this episode of The Data Show, I speak with Robert Nishihara and Philip Moritz. They're graduate students at UC Berkeley studying computer science, and they're also members of the new Rice Lab. I wanted to get an update on Ray, an open source distributed execution framework that makes it easy for machine learning engineers and data scientists to scale reinforcement learning and other related continuous learning algorithms. And that's actually one of the trends we're following, this whole move from offline to continuous learning. I hope you enjoy this episode. Philip and Robert, welcome to The Data Show. Thanks for having us here. So we're going to talk about a new system that you and the rest of the uh, team at the UC Berkeley Rice Lab have built. But uh, before we do so, let's talk a little bit about your background. So what are you studying at UC Berkeley? So um, I'm studying, I'm doing my PhD, I'm in my fourth year. I'm uh, working in AI and computer systems. And um, the kind of things I've been working on is um, um, things like um, distributed deep learning, reinforcement learning, and then distributed systems for, for reinforcement learning. What about you, Rob? Yeah, the two of us, so we're both fourth years at UC Berkeley. Uh, starting out, uh, we both started out doing machine learning um, and working on optimization algorithms, reinforcement learning algorithms, and things like that. Um, and, um, and more recently, we've been working on this project, Ray, and spending a lot of time um, working on distributed systems. Uh, so before we dive into Ray, is it true that you took a class from uh, Ion Stoika that somehow led to the beginnings of Ray? Is that? That's true. We took a, a class that overviewed a lot of distributed systems and frameworks that are used uh, for big data and for, uh, for machine learning and production. So, Philip, what is Ray designed to solve? So, um, in one thing it does is um, fine-grained um, computation and tasks so that you can um, actually have very small tasks that you can execute. And this is especially important in the context of reinforcement learning um, and um, AI applications. Um, so, that's sort of the target. Um, yeah. and, and my understanding is for reinforcement learning uh, applications, you need a few things. You need to be able to run a lot of simulations. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be able to handle heterogeneous computation graphs. Right. And you need to have very low latency. Right. Um, so be, so did, I assume that uh, you and the rest of Rice Lab took a census of, uh, census of the systems out there and uh, you came up empty for as far as, far as, the, as, far as these main requirements? Yeah. In fact, this is something we've been building uh, that's motivated by our own research in machine learning and reinforcement learning. Um, and if you look at what researchers who do reinforcement learning are doing, they're largely ignoring the existing systems out there and building their own custom frameworks or custom systems for every new application. So wait, are they ignoring it because they're not aware of these systems? Or I think in a lot of cases they have tried them out, but they often don't offer the performance or they don't offer the flexibility needed for these applications. So let's set aside Ray for a second. If I need to do reinforcement learning uh, 
for some of the examples that uh, we'll talk about later on my own, what what would I have to do? Yeah, so um, actually we did this. So um, if you want to do it on a cluster, then you need to sort of write your own little system that um, does communication between machines. And then um, it does the, the rollouts on, on the machines and then collect the results and then do some kind of optimization. You would probably use um, a system like TensorFlow for doing the optimization and the deep learning. Um, but uh, I have a system that does the communication between machines. It's called Spark. Right. Well, you have to be able to share. Created by the same yes. people. Yes. <laughs> um, and, um, and for a lot of workloads, that's exactly what you need. But for uh, reinforcement learning, you, have, you need to be able to share data very efficiently without copying it between multiple processes on the same machine. You need to be able to avoid expensive serialization and deserialization. You need to be able to um, create a task and get the result back in milliseconds instead of hundreds of milliseconds. Um, so there are a lot of little little details that come up. So I assume that in the AI world, there's a group of people who come out of HPC. They, they yeah. probably do things using MPI. Exactly. So were, were some people using MPI for these types of things? Yes, that's very common. In fact, people often use MPI along with low-level multiprocessing libraries to build the communication infrastructure for their reinforcement learning applications. So now, since Map, Hadoop, MapReduce, and Spark, there have been other frameworks, distributed frameworks, that seem to either communicate lower latency or some other feature. One that comes to mind is something from Python called Dask. So I'll just use Dask then, right? So. One challenge you might run into when you use Dask is um, scalability. And like um, Ray was from GrindUp designed to be able to scale to lots of machines. And so um, the system is designed in such a way that there's no single bottleneck. Um, and so um, um, in reinforcement learning, you have to, for example, do a lot of simulations, millions of simulations um, in parallel. And so um, the scalability properties would come in very handy for this. So before we dive into Ray, explain to our audience what's peculiar and what's specific about reinforcement learning that makes it challenging. So I think um, right now, when we think of machine learning, we often think of supervised learning, which you, you know, the, the picture you should have in mind is you take a data point and you make a prediction about that data point or you apply a label to the data point. Perhaps you, have a, you start with an image and you identify the objects in the image. But a lot of machine learning applications are changing to, instead of just making one prediction, to making sequences of decisions and taking sequences of actions in dynamic environments. Um, just like an intelligent yeah. uh, being would do, yeah. right? So uh, the thing that's special about reinforcement learning um, is not just that the different algorithms that are being used, but rather the different problem domain that it's being applied to. So um, it's, it's just this interactive, dynamic, real-time setting. And that brings up a lot of new challenges. You know, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a dinner, and we start, I started talking to a few people. And we came to the conclusion that reinforcement learning is both a set of algorithms and also describes a class of problems. Mm -hmm. right. So which, which is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it both? <laughs> it's both. I would say. It's both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the set of algorithms actually goes a, even a little bit farther. Um, some of these um, techniques are even useful in supervised learning. So, for example, for like things like text summarization and like translation, people start using these techniques that have been developed in the context of reinforcement learning to make um, even these um, more classical problems um, to perform better. So, in in reinforcement learning, uh, the way I think about it is, I have an agent interacting with an environment. Right. And what I want to learn is a policy, right? Yes. So given the state of the environment, what should the agent do? Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how we think of it as well. Um, and the kinds of 
some of the kinds of applications that we have in mind when we think about reinforcement learning are things like dialogue systems, where the agent um, is, is uh, one participant in the conversation, or um, robotic control, where the agent is the robot itself and is trying to learn how to control its, its motion. And you, you have some, uh, the Rice Lab has some great videos I've seen through Mike. Yes. Uh, Mike Jordan and Ion Stoika of a robot basically not knowing how to move to basically being able to run, right? Yeah. We actually, yeah, we trained that video or that, that uh, policy using Ray um, and uh, using a policy gradient algorithm. And uh, it essentially learned how to, ru how to run from scratch uh, just through trial and error. So uh, a few months ago, there was a famous paper from OpenAI with a title, something along the lines, evolution as an alternative to reinforcement learning, right? So th this is one piece of evidence to me that reinforcement learning is, uh, is a set of algorithms, not a set of problems. But uh, so can Ray handle evolution as well? Yeah, so we actually implemented that um, algorithm on, uh, algorithm on Ray, and um, it was um, very easy to develop. So um, Writing it up took only a couple of hours, um, and then we already have a distributed um, uh, um, implementation that scales very well. On like we have run it on up to like 50 nodes, for example, and um, you can uh, process like um, a lot of data um, per second. So, so um, what is the state of Ray right now? So, if I were to use Ray, uh, how hard would it be? It should be fairly straightforward. Um, so we have a 0.1 release, and you can for Python users you can install it very easily with a pip install. Um, and um, so it would run on your laptop, for example. It runs on your laptop. And then uh, how about the distributed version of Ray? Is that right. easy to so, install? So then you would have to pip install it on all of the machines. Um, but So is there a notion of a master? Not really. There are, uh, there are a number of different components in the architecture. So there are, like, there are scheduler processes which live on different machines. There are object store processes which live on different machines. There are a bunch of worker processes. There are also some components um, we have this global control store, which centralizes a lot of the system metadata and state in a centralized database. Uh, but that database itself is sharded, and the different shards can live on different machines. So if so, I I install Ray on my laptop, but I don't know anything about reinforcement learning. Will there be examples and documentation? Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of examples already in the repo, um, and we are at the moment working on restructuring it into more of a library, and that use. Um, run these algorithms. So Philip mentioned something around uh, the fact that uh, uh, some of these techniques are, might be applicable to text, for example. So text is something that a lot of uh, data scientists work with. So are there examples uh, that ship with Ray around text? Um, not at the moment, but, but we'd like to, uh, to, to, to include some. Um, Philip was mentioning a lot of reinforcement learning techniques are applicable to text because um, in the with a lot of language problems, you often have some objective that may not be easily differentiable. For instance, you may have some you have some document that you want to summarize, and you have some ground truth summarization, and maybe you want to measure the overlap of your uh, the number of n-grams that are in common between the summarization you produce and this and the ground truth summarization. And and this is some you know integer number. It's it's not easily it's not a differentiable score. And reinforcement learning. This problem comes up all the time in reinforcement learning where you have some objective, like how far did my robot run, that you can't easily differentiate. Um, and so a lot of the reinforcement learning techniques are well suited for, for these kinds of problems. So in, in uh, both of your cases, uh, starting with Philip, so 
what was the learning curve from uh, regular machine learning to reinforcement learning? Forget about the theory, but what about if you want to just uh, use it as a developer? Now that we have Ray, I'm assuming it's going to be easier, but how easy do you anticipate people being able to start doing reinforcement learning? Yeah, so I would say that um, the main systems challenges are sort of um, um, taken care of better now, um, but you still need to invest a little bit of time into is, um, learning about the algorithms, what kind of hyperparameters are there, how do you tune them, how do you apply it to some um, specific um, um, model. But um, if you are well-versed in like deep learning and machine learning, then I think it's a reasonable, um, like it's very reasonable to pick these things up. Yeah, and some algorithms are simpler than others to understand. For instance, the evolutionary algorithms paper that you mentioned, that's pretty straightforward to, the algorithm is simple uh, and easy to implement. So do you anticipate this new framework being used for teaching classes as well? Let's say there's a new reinforcement learning class in Berkeley in the fall. I think it'd be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So will Ray come then with all of the standard reinforcement learning algorithms? I, I can just start calling them. I don't have to implement uh, the standard reinforcement learning algorithms. Yeah, it's, they're not all there yet, but, um, but, but that's the plan. That's the plan. And for those who are much more ambitious, how easy will it be to implement one of these algorithms on their own? In Ray. It's pretty easy. That's, um, I mean, we'd like to include, you know, libraries of, of algorithms like you mentioned. Um, but one of the, the sort of selling points is that it's very easy to customize and implement your own algorithms uh, and modify existing algorithms and things like that. So Robert mentioned Python. It can't be that fast then, right? <laughs> So, I mean, the thing is that um, a lot of the actual work that is being done in the space is like um, calling into efficient um, C++ libraries, for example, for the simulation or for neural networks. So Python is more used as an orchestration language, sort of, and all the, um, the, uh, the like, actual handling is, is handled efficiently by C++. That's also true for, for Ray. The backend is written in C++, and so um, on that side, things are fast, and we just expose it through Python. So Robert mentioned uh, a distributed version of Ray. Our audience is probably wondering, well, what if one node fails? Is this a fault-tolerant system? Yeah. So nodes can fail and be gracefully removed from the system, and new nodes can be added at any time to the system, and, uh, and workloads will take advantage of the new nodes that are added. Right now, if an object is lost because it was on a machine that died, then, and it's needed later, then the task that created the object will be rerun to recreate the object. And this is a lineage-based fault tolerance similar to Spark. So what is on uh, Ray's roadmap for the rest of 2017 and maybe through early 2018? So what, what would you and the rest of the team want to add? So, I mean, obviously we can't make any promises, but there yeah. are things that we would like to happen. One of them is to have a really fleshed out reinforcement learning library with all the algorithms implemented. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, every time we you know, run on a larger and larger setting. And we try to test Ray with more stressful settings and just continue to improve the reliability um, and things like that. We've actually, uh, we've been using a project called Apache Arrow a lot. And we recently moved our, the Ray object store into the Apache Arrow code base. And we're working with them, the developers, a lot to, to collaborate on this. And since the object store, that, the Ray object store is a uh, standalone component that's, that could be more broadly useful. So, yeah. If you look at something like scikit-learn, right? So you go, okay, I want to uh, use scikit-learn to do classification. I've got a lot of options, right? So 
but then they the the people behind scikit-learn give you some kind of flowchart to tell you okay maybe this is the algorithm you want to use so reinforcement learning i imagine you'd run into the same trouble if you have a lot of algorithms a new user may get confused as to what uh, algorithm to use. Yeah, you sort of want to attack this on two fronts. One of them is um, make it easier for people to run their own like hyperparameter optimization um, techniques so that um, actually then um, as part of that, um, certain parameters of the algorithm can be set automatically. And then it will just um, run the algorithm and see um, how well it does. Um, that's one thing. And then also um, give more um, our experience and guidelines on um, what things we have tried and that worked. And then maybe other people can use the same sort of. And what form this is in, this could be a flowchart or it could be part of the documentation. Or something like this. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, a similar flowchart exists yet for reinforcement learning. I think that'd be a useful thing. So you, you two were uh, early to the uh, rate team, maybe the earliest, in fact. Um, so you've seen uh, new users enter the system. So what's your sense about what, what needs to be done in order to even democratize uh, reinforcement learning further? I think um, good libraries are a big part of that, good tutorials. And we will have a tutorial with Ray, mm -hmm. with the, led by uh, our two guests, plus Jan Stoika at the AI conference in San Francisco in September. Another thing is, um, I mean, compute resources. It, these things are often, you're, we're running these things on a large number of machines and- um, Oh, and by, by the way, uh, do you have, uh, is it easy for people to run Ray on Amazon? Do you have an AMI? Um, we don't have an AMI that we are, that we like publish right now, um, it would be easy to create one. Um, but that's uh, something that the Spark team did early on. Yeah, yeah. That, but it is it works very well on on EC2 with you know spot instances and things like that. So, have you interacted with people outside Berkeley? Have you had non-Berkeley people use Ray at this point? We've mostly been talking with people in Berkeley, but yes, we we some of the you know Rise Lab sponsors and and our our friends and people we've started to ask. And, and then other you know, people on GitHub are uh, trying it out. Cool. Well, this has been great. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can follow Robert Nishihara and Philip Moritz on Twitter at UCB Rice. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, you can rate and subscribe through iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn.com or SoundCloud and never miss an episode.